Hi, I'm Kara Mackerlin, and welcome to The Beat, a monthly show where we chat with local musicians and hear their original music. Today we'll be talking with Wyatt Rausch, a guitarist, songwriter, and senior here at HHS. Everybody. Today we're here with Wyatt Rausch. Uh, hi, Wyatt. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Um, so he's going to be playing some of his music today. Um, just to get to know you a little bit, Wyatt, what grade are you in here at Hershey? I'm a senior. And um, when did you start making music? I started making music this summer of 10th grade. Um, uh, it's funny, I started playing guitar early that summer. But a, a long-term girlfriend broke up with me, so then I started using that as kind of a, like I started writing and kind of introducing the guitar that I had been learning into writing, and then I just kind of took off from there, and I spent a lot of time writing songs after that. So is that how a lot of your lyrics for your songs came about? Oh yeah, for sure. I, music is very much kind of like a, like a personal therapy for me. Like mm-hmm. Whenever I get kind of sad or kind of down or melancholy, I'll just kind of get a guitar and see what I can do with that. And it always makes me feel a lot better. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and have you play your first song? Okay. This one's called For a Second. Be on the third album. for 
So. Now you said before that, that that's going on your third album. Mm-hmm. When is that, um, do you think, coming out? Um, it's still kind of in the works. I've had some issues. Like, I've had a couple different groups of people who've kind of picked me up and said, like, hey, we're going to help you make this, which has been really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked with some students at uh, LBC uh, who were super enthusiastic. Uh, but that kind of fell through. And I worked with a couple other independent labels, and that kind of fell through. So I think I'm going to self-produce this one like I did my first two albums. Um, so I'm going to assume early June. Okay. Yeah. So when did you um, sort of decide that you wanted to self-produce the other two albums? Well, I think when I started first making music, my kind of goal was to make an album because that kind of signifies like, oh, wow, like he's a musician. Uh-huh. He makes albums. It's and a music. solid thing. Yeah. Because um, having a guitar and making a couple songs about love really didn't solidify me as like a musician. And I wanted to be a musician, so I was like, okay, well, I'll make the albums and we'll see how that goes. Um, and it was cool because I got a lot of positive responses from doing that because it's not like the, the common thing to just be like, hmm, I'm going to make an album in my room with a couple different microphones and garage band. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's kind of how I started out making producing my own stuff. And where did you... Um Sort of put that out. You have a SoundCloud, right? I have a SoundCloud. Uh, the second album, Rose, is on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. Like 36 different platforms. I forget exactly Thanks. how many. Yeah. Well, anybody listening, if you want to find Wyatt's music, <laughs> check that out. So, do you see yourself in the future making music throughout your whole life? Um, yeah, definitely. I think music is a really key part of my life, and it's really who I am. I really enjoy making it. Um, I think prior to this year, it's much more professionally based like I was very enthusiastic about like I'm gonna be a musician I'm gonna make records I'm gonna get signed mm-hmm. I'm gonna do all that kind of stuff um and this year's kind of been a little more level and humbled out I just think I want to just really enjoy the music I make and not have to kind of uh change or try to sell to big crowds that kind mm-hmm. of stuff I just want to really enjoy the stuff that I make for me opposed to trying to mass produce it yeah do you think that changes your enjoyment of it if you're trying to make it for somebody else rather than for you very much so uh the second album i spent a lot of time trying to make songs that i thought would be quote-unquote hits uh-huh. uh, which didn't turn out super well i still have a couple good songs in there but it wasn't anywhere near as polished as the first one was mm-hmm. and i think that's because i spent too much time trying to figure out what other people would like to listen to opposed to what i truly enjoy to make and create and listen to. what do you think for you makes a good song um, definitely a good chord progression. I, I'm really into like super solid, complex chord progressions. If you, if you as a, a pop artist or like a soft rock artist can can make a really complex, like John Mayer does a really good job at that. His his guitar riffs are so intricate and interesting, and it makes you really like interested in the song. Um, and also lyricism is super big for me. Mm-hmm. I love like good solid lyrics with a little bit of um, like reality involved. Also, I like adding like a poetic touch to certain simple problems. Yeah, I think you can tell that in your music that it comes from a like real place. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go ahead and play us another song? Okay, this next song is called Friends. Yeah, also the third. Time. Every time. And I don't 
way of singing what do you think has influenced that um i'm not exactly positive i think <laughs> i have a really like i had a really deep voice when i started singing when i started singing and you can definitely tell from the first time i kind of sound i sung like this it was more <laughs> like see you later it was very deep and and less uh less emotionful and i think i've, I've worked on that a lot which has been kind of my uh, number one task in music because mm. I was always a guitar player guitar playing was really my thing I think and I always focus on that but vocals was something I really needed to like work on and kind of polish and I'm still polishing it and I'll probably be polishing vocals for a long time um, a lot of influences um, from vocal stuff uh, I think it was really deep uh, I got a lot of influence from like Ed Sheeran and John Mayer those kind of people influential pop slash soft rock artists mm -hmm. It seems like the type that have a lot of, like, their vocals sort of come from their lyrics, mm -hmm. too. Um, who would you say are some of your other influences with your music? Um, I think, um, guitar playing-wise, definitely Jimi Hendrix. I studied him a lot. Um, Steve Ray Vaughan, guitar playing-wise. Those are kind of two, like, obvious. Anyone who plays <laughs> more bluesy riffs would know that. Jason Mraz. Anyone really like in that soft rock early two thousands, yeah. late, yeah. I really like the whole kind of beachy, relaxed mm -hmm. style of Chill. music they play. Yeah. Has your music changed a lot since you started making it? Very much so. Um, so I went from playing four, like three chord songs with very little variety to making up sort of intricate riffs, um, and it's it's kind of a process. It's just kind of my evolution as a guitar player and a lyricist because when I first started I didn't really understand how to create music very well. I just kind of started creating it for the lyrics that I had chosen mm -hmm. and now I sort of write riffs 
and then sing and put lyrics to those riffs instead, which makes the song flow a little bit better, I think. Yeah. Are you self-taught? Uh, yes. Uh, self-taught, like, lyrically and that kind of stuff. I had a guitar mm -hmm. teacher for a little while, but I learned most of my stuff on my own. Okay. And it's very kind of minimal in how I progressed. So how did you um, sort of grow in your music? Was it from listening to other people or just trying things out? The internet. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the internet. Uh, if I ever wanted to, like if one of, say I wanted to learn a Jason Mraz song, or a Jack Johnson song, Fan of Pancakes, Flipping of Pancakes, really hard riff, um, for a beginner. Uh, so when I was beginning, I was listening to that song, and I was like, man, I really want to know how to do that. So I went on YouTube and looked up a tutorial, tons of tutorials, and it's amazing how, how in, in modern day you can really just learn anything from YouTube. So I was just getting really well-taught lessons on how to do certain chord shapes and how to do certain techniques and all that kind of stuff off mm -hmm. YouTube. Yeah, it's so accessible now for anybody. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that helped with releasing your music too, being able to do it online? And... Definitely, yeah. Um, the online, it, it's kind of a curse and a blessing because because you can do it, it's really easy to post stuff. But everyone and their brother posts so much stuff that everything is so diluted that it's hard to like find new artists, mm -hmm. which is it's kind of changed. When, when it comes to like trying to be a musician and like professionally, it used to be just playing a lot of live gigs and stuff, and now it's more so uh, trying to market yourself and trying yeah, to get like the right social media accounts. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's totally changed the industry, I think. Which type of it do you prefer? Do you like the aspect of putting yourself out there as a as a brand, people finding you, or do you like more of the real-life connection, real-life gigs? Um, I think both in, in good kind of yin-yang work mm -hmm. perfectly. If, if you are an online entity and people know you from your SoundCloud, that's awesome, but if they can't ever hear you play live and you never do that, they're going to be kind of unsatisfied. Mm -hmm. I think if you market really well online and you go play places, people are going to really start to understand it. like wow we can go see this person he's super cool I saw him online yeah it's really good uh tickets are super cheap let's go see him and they'll make like a saturday out of it uh, saturday night at least which is like super awesome and you can make that experience um but if you just do live gigs and you kind of travel around and you're that guy who's like oh yeah he played in a coffee shop like three years ago i saw him so and so in like mm -hmm. the carlisle coffee shop and that was cool but you're still playing coffee shops so it kind of it kind of goes to grow you have to really it, i think to grow in today's age you definitely have to be online there's mm -hmm. no doubt about it i don't think you can just kind of hop from location to location um trying to just play anywhere as much as you used to be um there's so much of music industry I think used to be just trying to find the right person in the right place like one day you'd play that gig with like the record label producer in there and he'd be yeah. like wow I really like your kid find someone to discover you exactly and now it's more like well, who is it um, it was Jesse J who like got discovered by Chris Brown's manager or yeah something. somewhere online like it's, on a YouTube video or something it's crazy how, how people are so uh, easily discovered nowadays yeah. do you play a lot of live gigs around here um, not as much as I used to. Last year I did. Um, played like coffee shops and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I played a birthday one time. That was fun. <laughs> it's kind of a weird experience though, because like, I'm at, at coffee shops. Like, you kind of like the goal is to earn, like kind of win over the crowd, sort of. But then like uh -huh. playing the music, they were all just focused on eating cake, so it really felt weird. <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of secondary. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're just kind of background noise. That's funny. Um, well, why don't we finish this off with one more song? Okay. This one's slightly a little bit less 
lighthearted than that before. <laughs> it's all right. We'll get a variety. Mm.
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Beat. Make sure to tune in to the Broadcaster Podcaster next month for more local music.